0: Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we go mining for hidden gems. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. I'm noticing your apartment
1: from a whole new angle, including this really cute Ninja Turtle over there. Oh, yeah.
0: That I think is knitted? Is made of yarn? Yes, it is. Uh, I mean, look, is it is it knitted? Is it crocheted? Do I know the difference? <laughs> It's made out of yarn. Yeah, I can tell you, I certainly do not. Um, It was a gift from uh, Jen Kleinrock, previous guest on the show, helped us uh, rank like second tier Mario characters or something. Or I think we
1: were just ma- ranking the characters in the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah, that's right. We ended up putting them into tiers.
0: They, yeah, which is better than ranking because ranking is hard when you get too many. But anyway, she got that for me for my birthday, I believe. I love that. That's great. Yep. It's very good. We are, of course, still in our reversed positions uh, because I am recording on my new computer. I mean, really, it is. I mean, you should just always assume we're in our reversed
1: positions. Right. From here going on, on forward. That. That's right. These are really our new correct positions.
0: Right. So, and uh, if you're asking yourselves, are they going to talk about this at the beginning of every episode? Uh, yeah, we are going to talk <laughs> yeah, about this. Probably. At the beginning of every episode. Look,
1: if I were to liken it to anything, it's like how in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, water in your toilet goes one direction. and Absolutely. In the Southern Hemisphere, it the goes the, the other direction. The Coriolis effect, yes. Yeah, it's like if you listen to any episodes before Tuesday's episode, you will notice a marked difference in the
0: way that the episodes run. Those are just facts because it's science. That's right. And it's basically just like the 2020 version of us talking about the weather, which is what we used to do. <laughs> Side note, it's really windy. Yeah. Um, he, uh, here's what people want. They want consistency. consistency. They want to hear how they can borrow my copy of Sonic Forces. You can email us at Nintendo cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Couldn't remember the name of our show or our email address in that moment. Um, if you want to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, you can. I send it to you. You ha- keep it for as long as you want, and then you send it back. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, the uh, current borrower uh, has had it maybe longer than I expect, but it's okay. I'm There's not, no rules. No, there are no rules. It's like Outback Steakhouse. Just right. Um, and when you're here, your family. Olive Garden. If you would like to get on that list, email us. Um, here's Here's something else. Here's something else. I want my baby back. Chili's? Uh I was trying to think of a third one. Sure. I mean that's a good one. Thank uh, you. But is that this is that that's not like their slogan though. That's just the <laughs> Right, you're right. The, the slogan, slogan they is not
1: chilies, I want my baby back. That's true.
0: That's a good point. Uh jeez. Um uh, trying to think of other slogans.
1: And not just any slogan, but we're like trying specifically to think of like fat like Casual
0: chain restaurant, yeah, slogans. like like sit down table yeah. service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, you can't do like a Chipotle one wouldn't work. I don't here. think they have. A, I don't think they have one either. Yeah, but like okay. I'm loving it. Doesn't count. No. Um.
1: Jeez. Does uh? Okay. So we hit. We I mean, did, we CGI did high Fridays. That just has to be like. Thank goodness like, it's Fridays, right?
0: Yeah. Or like, what about like Bubba Gump Shrimp? Or is that too high? Is that too highbrow? <laughs> So I'm going to tell you, Patrick, I don't think it's too (laughs) highbrow. Look, here's the thing that I was actually transitioning to is that I wrote an issue of Transformers. This is very cool. You know, the comic book about robots that turn into cars and also like, there's a lot of politics and like war and <laughs> like crazy stuff like that. Uh, I wrote an issue of it, the Valentine's Day issue. It comes out February twelfth. It's adorable. I'm proud of it. It is drawn by the legendary Jack Lawrence, uh, and it is absolutely worth you picking up. So you should go out to your comic book store on the twelfth and get it. Yeah, this is so exciting. Yeah, i'm I'm very I'm very happy with how it turned out. Um, It is cute and funny and uh, Jack gets all of the like little jokes that I'm making and makes them all better. Um, So it's a great issue. I encourage everyone to check it out. Um, But Mark, are you ready to get into today's topic? Yeah, let's do it. Today's topic comes to us from a tweet from a listener, from uh, Skylar Queen, at Skylar Queen. Um, He says, listening to you guys ranking one listener's backlog got me thinking lately. Over the years, I have only had so many games per console and really only got into the collecting mindset with the Wii U. Still don't have a Switch. And with the the minis, the uh, Classic Edition NES and Super NES. (laughs) Skylar goes on. What would you recommend are some of the biggest hidden gems of older hardware? Still having my 3DS, DS, GBA, GameCube, and PS2, I feel like there's a lot more that I may have missed beyond the obvious. Uh, and then he also adds, if it helps, I really like side-scrolling platformers, best uh, Best of all due to my NES upbringing and I'm currently playing Hey, Pikmin, which I'm enjoying, controls aside. Um, so uh we have taken the mandate kind of literally here. Um and we are only looking at hidden gems that appear on the GBA, the DS, the 3DS, and the GameCube. We tossed that PlayStation 2 right out. Maybe for the four maybe for a 433 in the future. Maybe, probably not though. <laughs> we'll forget. <laughs> um, but the the thing that is interesting about uh this like era of hardware um from where I'm looking at it uh is that it is neither to me feels neither like uh classic Nintendo gaming, which I think uh, you know, NES, SNES, Nintendo sixty four, and Game Boy like squarely fall into for me. Um and it's you know, obviously not in the modern or even like remotely modern era, everything like pre-Wii. Um, or pre like PlayStation Three era um, is a a little bit of like that middle distance history, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and is maybe something that I know I personally don't reflect on that much, because um, it's like for me that era is when I'm in like college and like late high school. So there's just like you you know I, I yeah it's just it, it's a little bit of like a a fuzzier time for me where I'm not like uh you know glued to the TV at my babysitter's house and uh, amazed that they've got ducktails um but I'm also not like uh you know like reinvested and reexcited about games uh after like becoming an adult you know Yeah I mean?
1: yeah totally this was actually like a really I had a lot of fun doing this because um yeah my my gaming experience in these eras are also different and they are very um like really focused in a weird way because oh, like in the sense that like a lot of times i did not like i didn't have disposable income to buy games or systems or anything so what i had access to was so like specific and limited so going back to this time the, it's not games that i regularly regularly revisit because as we'll get into my list like for one reason or another like a lot of these games are hard to come by now yeah and, well, and I, th- um, I think
0: especially given the the fact that um, DS and 3DS are, are on this list, that a lot of these games are like trapped on those dual screen handhelds, uh, you know, that like, and will be hard to be like ported somewhere else.
1: Well, you know? and I mean, we'll get into it, but for like uh, other reasons, like yes. games on my list are just kind of like, are going to be stuck in this amber forever. Yes. But they were, a lot of these were games that I hadn't, because of that, I had to really go back and like think about games that I had played to find these hidden gems. And it was really fun to do because it was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this game. Like, it was like rediscovering it for me, which yeah. was a lot of fun.
0: Um, I'm very excited to hear your list. This is one, like, whenever we come up with, like, a, a list of things, I get really excited to, like, you know, dig into, like, oh, yeah, this is, I, I feel like it's a good way for me to, like, express myself or talk about, like, my history with games. And I had a really hard time doing it with uh, w- with this specific era. I have some answers here that I think are good, um, but I'm mostly interested to hear what you have to say. <laughs> well, let's get to Not normally to it. the case. Yeah. Normally, I'm just excited <laughs> to talk.
1: Well, I mean, listeners of the show famously know that Patrick right. and I hardly ever actually listen to what the other person is saying. We stare off into the middle distance waiting for the other person to stop, and then we pick up with our own thought.
0: Yeah, and what, what I think is interesting is that uh, we usually just stare into the middle distance waiting for the other person to stop talking so that we can finally have our turn to talk i agree 100 percent with what you just said um okay so uh mark why don't you do, do, do you have like a structure to this do you have like no not really for, okay. i just have
1: five games yeah um let's see i have two from the ds one from the gba and two from the gamecube uh
0: okay so why don't uh why don't you start okay i've also i've just got a, a pile of them here so why, why, why don't you give me one and we'll talk about it again. okay cool
1: so i'm actually going to start with one that i talked about not too long ago on this show when we were discussing our favorite games for the past decade and that is ghost trick phantom detective for the nintendo ds great so this is a game that was directed by uh, shu takumi who is the creator of the phoenix wright series as well um this was kind of like after the phoenix wright series had taken off at least in the west thanks to its release on the ds he created this new franchise that uh kind of, like, sales-wise it, sales-wise it bombed, but um it's a really fun kind of, like, puzzle game. Basically, you play as a character named Sissel, and the game starts with uh you are, like, a ghost, basically just, like, I this, love like, it. orb of light, yeah. and y- your body is dead, and the game is basically you trying to figure out, like, who you were, why you were killed, like, all that kind of stuff. And the way you do that is you meet this other ghost. And what you can do is you can, uh, after people die... Is it the
0: scary ghost from Ghost? (laughs) It's not. It's not.
1: Yeah. Thankfully. Thankfully. So uh, after somebody dies, you're able to possess them and go back four minutes before their death to save their life. Whoa. And the way you do this is by doing, like, ghost tricks, which is basically you can possess objects and people to make them, like, do something. Yeah. So basically it works as, like, a puzzle game. As in, like somebody dies, you possess them. You go back four minutes. You see how they died, and then you're working by like, uh, you're almost like a like orb of like electricity, like triggering different things. Sure, right, a- like doors more... closing or like lights turning on or off. Or... So you're
0: almost more of a poltergeist. Yes. Okay. To um
1: uh try to like make you like right somebody's wrong so they don't yeah. die, and in the course of that, you are learning more about your backstory. Um, it had. It features a lot of really fu- fun characters. The animation, I think, is rotoscoped. It looks like it's maybe rotoscoped, but oh, it still has, like, because the animation is very fluid. There is this gif that became famous around that time. was used a lot about these, like, cops dancing. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, there's, like, a dog named Missile who's based on uh, Takumi's, like, actual real Pomeranian. And Missile is great. And it's just, like, a really interesting, unique game. That I've, like, have never played anything like it ever again. What's the name of it again? It's called Ghost Trick Phantom Detective.
0: Ghost Trick Phantom Detective.
1: So, in probably maybe 2011 or 2012, it was ported to iOS, but I don't think you can play it on iOS anymore because it, like, stopped being supported by Capcom. And it's been, like, updated out of existence, so unless you have something running, like, iOS 8 or seven, you probably wouldn't be able to play it anymore.
0: So the the actual gameplay of it is more like it adventure gamey, like uh, are you're I mean it's like touch touch screen based, right? Right. Yeah. But
1: it's more like um it really is kind of like a puzzle game. Okay, sure. In that you are, you know, like trying different things to uh um like prevent somebody's death.
0: Yeah, I mean, so that yeah, th- thank you for clarifying. because um, like one of the things that uh, I tried to do and failed repeatedly was try to like hit that mandate of like the uh, the platformer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting that like we start with a, a a DS game. Um, and I I also have two DS games on here that like really strongly do not fit the bill of a platformer, and it got me thinking about the kinds of games that are available on on the DS, and for me. W- there are so many things that are interesting on the DS that are like just role-playing games, right? Like the, uh, the remake of Final Fantasy four or like Chrono Trigger being released on there. Like there's, there's just like a ton of those there. Um, But uh, can can I bring up my, uh, my DS games here? Yeah, please. Um, So the, the two that I want to bring up as uh, maybe hidden gems um, one is uh, the, the first one is, is, Maybe doesn't fit the bill, but it's uh the world ends with you, which was just uh, re-released on the Switch, but in not a way that is. A, it's it's effectively like the mobile version of the game, um, which is not as good as the original release. So the the way that the uh, original game worked is that you know there are two two screens, uh, and whenever you're in like these um like really stylish. Uh, like modern Japanese, uh, like action scenes, um, you're controlling one character with buttons and the um, the D-pad, and the other character you're controlling on the bottom screen with the uh, with the stylus on on the touch screen, right? So you're like you know swiping swiping right or like drawing an arrow up or something, and then like have to go over to the buttons and like just make sure you're sort of balancing out the actions of these two characters and the way that they sort of like work around that in both the um, mobile and switch versions, like leave some of that magic on the floor. Um, the game is always like stylish and cool, but I think that playing the world ends with you uh, where it came from is like, that's, that's, that's the way to do it. Um, but again, I don't, I don't know if this totally counts as a hidden gem. Cause like, you know, it's, it's a known quantity now, right? Um, but my other one that I think at this point has totally become a hidden gem is a game called Contact on the Nintendo DS. Do you remember Contact? So this is from Grasshopper.
1: Yes. Um, which is the company that Suda51 founded after leaving Capcom, I think. Yes. So I remember this game coming out, but I never played it.
0: Um, So it is weird. It, uh, a- and a- at the time was sort of hailed as a, um, like spiritual successor to, um, the mother series, the Earthbound series. Um, and, you know, is like, uh, it fits the description, right? That it is like a modern day RPG that is, um, a little bit like quieter. It doesn't have nearly the same like style or audaciousness as the world ends with you. Um, but is just like a contemplative thinky little story, um, about, uh, well there's just a a mystery that unfolds um in like a, a young boy's life and like it's a, a a turn-based RPG um in that vein um so that's uh yeah the, the, those are my two 2DS two games
1: so um i want to go back to the thing you were saying uh earlier where it's like some of uh, i did try to do platformers as well mm-hmm. and so i have some a little bit later but one of the things that about like this whole exercise is like you were saying it's so specific to the games that we played yeah like if you look online there are you know like there are a ton of platformers on the nintendo ds but a lot of them i did not play yeah so um you know like these this list will be so different compared to you know what you might find find online because it's all through Like, our own experience.
0: Yeah. Well, and also, like, you know, uh, oh, a a DS platformer New Super Mario Brothers. Like, that's a good answer, but it's an obvious one. Right. doesn't
1: count as hidden. Well, how about this one? Yeah, this,
0: uh comes from the DS and it's the
1: Batman, the Brave and the Bold.
0: Oh, cool. Game
1: for the DS. There was also a Wii version, but I never played the that, that. I just played the DS version.
0: Did we talk about any of the music from this on uh our music episode? I Maybe don't not. think so. We talked about a fair number of Batman <laughs> tracks, which is weird.
1: Um so this game was developed by Way Forward mm-hmm. and oh. Um It's like a it's A solid B, Mm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. which to me is kind of like the epitome of a hidden gem. Like, it came out, it's a, I have quite a few licensed titles on here, which I think is also um, telling of the era that this was. We were kind of maybe at, like, the height of licensed titles. And some of them, you know, were given to interesting developers. Yeah. And so, you got something that was interesting. And so, this is uh, a game where, if you never watched Batman The Brave and The Bold, after you know like the more serious i guess we'll say like batman the animated series um batman brave and the bold was like we're just kind of gonna do a cartoon version of the 60s tv show like it was um kind of over the top campy it didn't take itself seriously it was full of jokes it was very tongue-in-cheek and so that is uh evident in the game itself in the sense that like when you're starting a new chapter, you get, like, the um, title, and it's usually, like, a pun or something, and it has really, like, jazzy music. Yeah. And then you're—the uh, way the game works is each level, you're usually teaming up with another hero, which was also the premise of the TV series. And so you'd switch—you'll switch between, like, Batman, and then you can switch, and you'd be playing as, like, the Blue Beetle in one level, or they're usually, like, more, like, B-tier DC superheroes. Yeah. But the platforming, the knocks against the game is that, like, it's kind of easy and it's pretty short, but the platforming itself is a lot of fun. You get, like, lots of different abilities because you're, you know, like, Blue Beetle might be able to, like, fly a little bit. Um, Other characters, you know, like, have different abilities. The level environments themselves are really varied. The graphics are cool. It carries over that kind of, like, stylized look of the animated series. It's, uh, you don't have to know the animated series to like it. Cause it's just a Batman game.
0: Do you know what this sounds like a lot to me is the Lego Batman games Mm. um, that were like very into like, uh, you know, kind of stirring in the other um, like DC universe characters, uh, very like focused on comedy um, or at least like being sort of like light and campy. um, And then like that, you would just get new characters and have new abilities um, to just sort of like run around Batman's world. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, I really recommend it if you're just looking for like a good
0: platformer that you could polish off in a couple hours. Um, that's a, that is a great recommendation. I'm going to give uh, a recommendation that I've given on this show uh, a, a couple times, um, but uh, th- this is a 3DS game. This is the Kid Icarus 3D Classics uh, version, edition, whatever it's called, um, which is only available on the, the 3DS eShop. Um, and it is the original Kid Icarus, um, but kind of churched up, right? So uh, the game has uh, a save function, which uh, is wonderful, because the original Kid Icarus is, has like that, that password functionality, right? Um, which is fine if you are a patient child and able to you know write down uh, numbers and letters, like 16 of them, uh, so that you can pick up where you left off last time. Um, But in in addition to, like, that kind of improvement, uh, they add backgrounds to all the levels. So, like, the original uh, Kid Icarus, the first level is just, like, black in the back, right? Like, if you're trying to play it on the NES Switch Online, um, it's really kind of drab and difficult to, like, get into it. Uh, But as you're, like, climbing your way out of the underworld in the uh, the 3D Classics version, um, you can see, like clouds and buildings and all this other stuff and it just feels much more alive. Uh, In addition, they also like tweaked the way Pitt's jump works so that if you are tapping the jump button as you descend, he like flutters his wings a little bit and his jump is like slowed ever so slightly, right? And it is just enough to make it so that you feel as though you have control over the character, it literally changes the entire game. Um, I find that uh, the original Kid Icarus is borderline unplayable, and the 3D Classics is like a 3D classic. It is. It makes that game alive. Um, and it, it's amazing how much Kid Icarus has to offer with just that one tiny tweak. Um, that like That's the only way I've ever played through the game. Um, and it's, uh, it, it ends up being, it's not, I don't, there aren't games like this now, um, where it is like a, a straight up, uh, like platforming action challenge, um, that I wouldn't describe, uh, like it's, it's not just like a, a straight up like course based sort of thing. And it's not really like metroidvania e except for the times that it is like every world or every is it every other world? They're, they're, every now and then you encounter like a dungeon that is like a straight up dungeon, which is its own sort of like self-contained Metroidvania style map where you're going around and like buying items that you're only using there. And uh, you're spending hearts on like a, a map or it's, it's a candle and a pencil and the candle like shows you the map and the pencil uh, shows you your place on the map. Um, and so, like, it's all of these, like, arcane little details that you have to, like, put together to figure out your way through this thing um, that, again, don't explain themselves if you're playing on the NES. If you're playing on 3DS, though, everything is explained and, like, every it's all a million times more manageable. Um, and it's a perfect little game that no one uh, talks about because it just kind of gets tossed in the bin of 3D classic editions that, like it, like, can you even name another one? I think they made one for Urban Champion. They did make one for Urban Champion, a famously bad game, and a famously bad version of a famously bad game. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's weird. It seemed like it was almost something that they were um, like going to do a lot of, and then release maybe like four or five of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a shame that this one turned out as well as it did, and is just sort of like relegated to the uh, kind of dustbin of the 3ds.
1: Yeah, I've never really played through Kid Icarus. And I forget that this exists.
0: Yeah, I think everyone does. Um, And you are not wrong to have not played through Kid Icarus, but played through Kid Icarus uh, 3D. I, I wrote 3D Classics. I don't know if that's what it's called. Is that what it's called? It, it points you in the right direction. Yeah, look up It'll Kid get you there. on, on 3DS Um.
1: So my next pick, I'm going back to the GBA, the Game Boy Advance. Whoa! And it is Lilo and Stitch
0: Aww. for the Game
1: Boy Advance. So this is a game... That it's, like, a side-scrolling shooter. Um, is it, like, a spaceship shooter? Are you in a spaceship? There uh, there are moments that are, like, Space Harrier. So, they're not, like, yeah. uh, they're not side-scrolling. It's not, like, a, a shmup. Yeah. But it is, um, there are sequences where you are cool. in, like, cool. Stitch's spaceship thing uh, shooting other ships. Because the premise of this game is that Lilo gets kidnapped by some aliens and so Stitch goes straight contra on all of them. He, That's awesome. <laughs> he has four arms, which means he has four guns. Yes. And you are just running around, just like blasting aliens of different type. Um, there's like mongoose type ones, like uh, like
0: octopus esque type ones. Uh, do you, do you remember how you encountered this game in the first place? Like. Whatever it's like a, a licensed game, I'm always interested to know like why people were drawn to yeah,
1: it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know because I can't imagine that i like, like I wasn't buying games for myself really yeah. at this point. So I don't know if like some of my younger siblings got it. Um, we bought it used. We like rented it. Like I, I'm not sure because again, it's not a long game. You can get through it pretty quickly. And generally, I don't like. Um, these types of games, like I'm not good at Contra. This one, there are like moments where it's a little challenging, but it's you can get through it fairly easily. But it never feels like um, uh like you're not like you're doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things I like about it, and it's a little incongruent with the content, is like the music is all about that like Hawaii tropical right. vibe. Yeah, and the it's really colorful. Like um it's really bright. It tries to embrace the kind of like Hawaii spirit of the movie. Uh yeah, it's just like a it's just a lot of fun. Again, it's just like a solid triple, you know? Yeah. It's not going to nobody's gonna crowdfund for it to come back, but it was like a really good game for its time.
0: Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, who doesn't like Lilo and Stitch? Like that's it, it's a good property. Yeah, right? it is totally. Um, I, I love the uh sort of like mashup of sci-fi stuff and Hawaii stuff. Um, such a strength of the movie. It's cool to Mm. hear that it works in a game Mm. too. Um, All right. My next pick, I I will also do a, a uh, GBA game. Um, And again, maybe this one falls in the category of duh, but like, let me explain why. Um, So it's super Mario Advance Four, super Mario brothers three on the GBA. So am I recommending super Mario (laughs) brothers three to you as a hidden gem? Yes, I am, but hang with me for a second. Um, because this is the only version of uh this game where you can play there are it has unique levels to it that were part of a uh the GBA card reader. Oh yeah, the e-card reader. The e-card reader. And actually now that I'm saying this, I think you would need this is the version of the game that would needed the e-card reader. I think so. Well, I messed up. Because if you uh, if you get this on the Wii U eShop all of those uh like card reader uh levels are just included in the game because there is no e-card uh reader. Um and no more e-cards. <laughs> so I guess what I'm recommending here is a Wii U game <laughs> or that Skylar,
1: you invest yes in a uh e-card reader. Yes. And the uh Super Mario Advance 4 Super Mario, Mario Brothers, Brothers 3, 3. e-cards yes. necessary to access this content.
0: Yeah. Um and uh I mean that's it right that there are Super Super Mario Brothers 3 Stone Cold classic uh there's there are levels Nintendo designed Super Mario Brothers 3 levels that are out there that you probably haven't played. I mean that's pretty cool. That's pretty compelling.
1: All right. I have two GameCube games Ooh, to play round out my list. Lay on me. So the first one I agree also skirts like the um hidden gems because in its time this was a huge hit but I feel like it has been just completely lost to time. And that is Resident Evil 4. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Wow. For the Nintendo GameCube. So this was geez, maybe like 15 years ago when um but Prince of Persia Ubisoft like revived it with this game and uh it became a pretty big success, big enough that they released two sequels. Probably too fast and cha- like and like as bright as it burned, it burned out. Yeah, very quickly, and then they like revived the series with just a game called Prince of Persia in like 2008. But it's been over ten years since we've had like a Prince of Persia game.
0: We so, had that movie a couple of years ago. <laughs>
1: that could I could not believe looking back at it because uh looking up this game led me to the film yeah which was. Called Prince of Persia: Sands of Time, released in 2010, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, Ben Kingsley. Oh boy, um, like it's a parade of white people in a movie called Prince of Persia. Not a good look. No, not a good look.
0: <laughs> also, not a good movie.
1: <laughs> not I've I've never seen it, but I I trust you. Do you remember when they made a Sorcerer's Apprentice movie like right around the same time? With uh oh my God, my cage one hundred percent blocked it
0: like when you said that, I could like <laughs> my eyes rolled back in my head, and I just saw blackness <laughs> um
1: insanity, but the game itself is really fun, so it's a um it's a platformer, but it's uh kind of like a three d platformer, yeah, so it's um in the third person, but the camera is dynamic depending on what you are like uh traversing so most of the time it's behind you but occasionally there'll be times where you have to like wall jump up and so kind of like god of war does the camera you know will move around yeah giving you um the view for what
0: you need in the environment sure like Uh, a contextual camera that gets how to frame each challenge you encounter exactly and so
1: one of the um the main moves of your character is you can run on the wall so there's a lot of platforming around that then the other big thing is that you get this dagger that you can collect the sands of time by like defeating certain enemies, and that gives you the ability to like turn back time. So when you mess up, you or die, you can go back a little ways and uh, like change your strategy. You can also use I it love to that like stuff.
0: I love. I mean, I know like we've talked about uh, rewind functions uh just in like classic games on this show, but I love it when that's integrated as part of a game mechanic.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And then, you know, you can also use it to like freeze all enemies for a certain amount of time or freeze uh just like the boss or like all these different types of things. Um actually I think it's just those three. But uh I it's a really satisfying game. The story there's a lot of story and it's all kind of boilerplate, like grand viziers, and they're bad, and you know, like oh, you're playing as a prince, and all that of kind Persia? of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> even. And but it's but it's like really solid. Like there's a reason that they and they brought back like the original creator of Prince of Persia as a consultant on it, so he was involved. Like there's a reason why it kicked off this like trilogy of games. Like it is really good, hmm. and I feel
0: like we have just completely forgotten about it um do you know what game that makes me think of and it's not on my list because it's not never appeared on a nintendo uh platform but did appear on playstation 2 at about the same time is the enter the matrix video game mm-hmm. did you play enter the matrix i didn't i actually think it did come out on the gamecube did it really it might have yeah then it's one of mine <laughs> and i'll talk about it briefly uh but uh it has a similar like running on walls uh, mechanics. It does a really good job of making, of uh, like empowering you with the sort of powers of being in the Matrix. Um, And, you know, it was during that like deluge of uh, post-original Matrix content. Right, like Animatrix came out, I think around the
1: same time. Yeah,
0: so Animatrix and um, the uh, Enter the Matrix game came out, I believe like within the same month. And that that was ahead of uh, Matrix Reloaded And, you know, like a year before um, Revolutions came out. Um, And the Animatrix and Enter the Matrix are by far the best parts of, like, the sequel era of of Matrix films. Um, And you uh, play as uh, uh, one of two characters. Uh, There's uh, Ghost and... I forget her name. She's the captain, but they they both have like separate storylines that uh, Niobe. Yes, that's right. Um, and they both have like separate storylines where they like go into the matrix and like uh are are doing stuff in there. And when you're in the matrix, you can do all of the like you know diving around with like both guns out, bullet time sort of stuff, and you can run up walls. And um, the d- environments are like super destructible. And um, like man, was just a a, a really really cool satisfying experience that then made um watching reloaded when it came out a couple months later uh so much cooler because um, like you already knew the characters and you know there are parts in the movie where those characters like disappear from the action and you're like oh explicitly this is what's happening like uh, oh they're doing the thing that i was playing in the game um so that's just a little uh, side thing. Fully endorse Enter the Matrix. And it did come out on GameCube. Look at that. That's incredible. On the GameCube? Yeah. Wow. I recommend uh, playing it on the PlayStation <laughs> <laughs> Um my, my GameCube recommendation, uh, this is another uh, uh, horse that I have beaten on this show before. Beaten like a pair of bongos. I am, of course, referring to Donkey Konga. Um and its sequel Donkey Konga two. There were three. There was a third Donkey I don't, Konga. Did, did the third one make it to the states? Oh, maybe it didn't. Maybe I think it was, just was Japan, Japan only. Um and like I I often wonder how uh that that gameplay experience holds up, um especially because you know this was before the or kind of concurrent with the. Uh, Guitar Hero Boom, um, but before Guitar Hero, like, got the rights to use, like, the actual, like, master tracks for stuff. Yeah,
1: definitely before Guitar Hero 3 exploded, because that was, like, the Wii era. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, totally. Um, So, you know, it is, uh, when it is a, a pop song, it is a cover of the pop song. Um, but you're not there for, you know, the cover version of all the small things. You're there because there's an amazing conga arrangement of the Legend of Zelda theme or the Mario theme. Um, the Pokemon theme song is in there. Um, and it is just so rad and natural to like drum along with the bongos. Um, it is the uh, only rhythm game that I've played that actually feels genuinely like doing the thing that you're pretending to do. Playing Guitar Hero doesn't feel like playing guitar. Sorry, it doesn't. <laughs> playing the bongos uh, with uh, Donkey Konga feels like playing the bongos because you're hitting the drums. And you're clapping. And you're clapping. Uh, it's a, a it's a wonderful game um, and it supports up to four players simultaneously. If you can get your hands on four sets of bongos, uh, you can put a band together and it's a, a wonderful <laughs> time.
1: So my last game is a GameCube game as well. We're going from Donkey Kong to King Kong talking about Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie for the Nintendo GameCube.
0: I'm, so this is another thing that I am noticing here uh, between Enter the Matrix and uh, King Kong, the official game. Uh, I bet So, like, the Wachowskis were definitely involved in uh, Enter the Matrix. I would be willing to bet that Peter Jackson was involved in this game. He was. And
1: not only was he involved with the game, but basically the entire cast comes back for voices. Jack Black, Jeremy Watts. Yeah. um, What's his name? Adrian Brody. Jamie Bell. They all lend their voices to this game
0: so it is like exactly like enter the matrix because Lawrence fishburne is in it It, not just his voice they like filmed scenes that are just in the game (laughs) Lawrence fishburne uh trinity what's that actress's name carrie ann moss Mm um but yeah uh, sorry go back yeah so
1: and and so not only was it like uh did peter jackson work on it but it was directed by uh michelle ansell the um creator and director of like beyond good and evil he's worked on the raymond games i think uh so like these are like heavy hitters peter jackson at the height of his like creative weight and power was working on this game
0: some would say mania
1: (laughs) it was a big deal when it came out and i really enjoyed the original king kong and so i was excited for this when it came out it came out towards the end of the gamecube's life it was also like on the xbox 360 that tells you, like, what era we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, I think it was released in 2015, or 2005, sorry. Right. In 2005. So, definitely at the, kind of, like, the end of uh, the GameCube era, but... so, are, are you playing as the titular King Kong? You do, but um, before, like, yeah, so there are, t- there are <laughs> it two... It would be kind of a bummer if you're <laughs> playing a King
0: Kong game and you're, they're like, uh, you're the cook on the ship. <laughs> well,
1: you're not far <laughs> off. Okay. So, there's, like, two different sections. Um And the game is really interesting because at this, it is famously, like, they did everything they could to reduce the HUD. So, you could turn on, like, in the options to see, like, how much ammo you had and things like that. Yeah. But you play, there's two different sections. One, you play as Jack, who, Jack Driscoll, who is Adrian Brody's character in the movie. He's, like, the screenwriter. And you're going through...
0: I'm just trying to think of other games where you're playing as a screenwriter, <laughs> as a Screenwriter, and I can't yeah. come up with any.
1: <laughs> I mean, famously, Barton, the Barton Fink game. <laughs> well, y-
0: yes, of course. <laughs> oh, and, and the uh, video game adaptation of Adaptation.
1: <laughs> um, which we're all still in right now. That's right. Um, but yeah, so you're playing as Jack, and these are all in first person. And these are kind of, like, your standard, like, it follows loosely the beats of the movie, which works pretty well because the beats of the movie are basically, like, we stumbled fr- from one terrible, you know, horrifying creature yeah. onto the next. But it's a lot of, like, Naomi Watts' character, like, getting attacked by bats, and so you have to, like, shoot them with your gun. Do uh, you,
0: so the the scene in the movie that I remember most vividly, mm-hmm. um, because it made me mad... With how dumb it was, um, was there's a scene where there are like two Tyrannosaurus Rexes falling down a seemingly bottomless pit <laughs> for hours, for hours, <laughs> and King Kong is like uh, punching them, uh, right as as he falls with them. Yes, is that a scene in this game? So I can't remember. And there- why not? <laughs>
1: there is a hundred percent a scene. There, a hundred percent like levels where you are. um Jack Driscoll shooting, what are they called? Like X Rexes or something like that. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> with uh with a gun. And then separate scene where you are Donkey Kong. No. And by Donkey Kong I mean you're King King Kong. Kong. <laughs> yeah. Donkey uh, Kong. <laughs> uh, where you're King Kong and you are like fighting off yeah uh whatever they're called x-rexes and other like dinosaur type creatures you don't need to show them Um,
0: the respect of giving their proper name (laughs) well
1: it's so like like i appreciate that they were like no these are not (laughs) t-rexes right because they've been on monster island too long sure so they're like x-rexes or like i can't remember what they're called but something like that
0: i mean it seems like you've settled into (laughs) x-rex yeah but
1: i don't yeah i mean that's what i'm calling them. that's right but now that i'm saying it out loud i'm like that's stupider than i imagined it would be so I don't know if that's actually what they were called.
0: I refuse to look it up. <laughs> I think that's fair.
1: We um, already looked up the end of the Matrix part. That's right.
0: Uh, so was this game fun?
1: It was interesting. Mm. So I enjoyed playing it because also you have to, like the graphics for the time were like they felt really incredible. They have that weird like um uh kind of like foggy sheen. The yeah. GameCube sure. graphics from the time have At the time I thought it was like really cool. It. Uh it does this thing where like it shows like clips from the movie. Yeah. This is like another, they're really like highlighting yeah, like this is another the movie the matrix part of it. thing too. I have to talk about the end of this game. So you spend like I mean you can imagine you spend like four fifths of it on the island, and then the uh last part is like, you know, they take Kong to New York City. So the last level of this game is you are King Kong. And you are in New York City. Oh, boy. And you uh, escape from, like, the cage on stage. Oh, no. You go through the city. You climb the Empire State Building. Okay. And the last level is you are King Kong. There are airplanes flying at you. Yeah. You, like, you can hit You bat them down. Yeah. But you die no matter what. You are playing as King Kong. You get shot a certain number of times. And if it's your first time through... It is inevitable that this game ends with you dying, with like King Kong dead, like it does in the movie. The movie, right? Spoiler. Yeah, <laughs> not really. So it, that is such like a that's so weird. That is so weird. But it's that, that how game that that's how the game ends. But what do you do? No, I mean like yeah, that's it.
0: I mean unless it's like uh for this uh, for this level we change perspective and you're flying the plane. Well. No, I'll tell you what. Yes,
1: after you have played through it the first time. Yes, the second time you play through, I think you have to have, and I didn't know this. I did not know this until I looked it up. Uh for when I was like researching the game for this episode, uh, if you played through a second time, and I think you have to have like a certain like num a certain like score. If you're up at, on the Empire State Building at the end as Donkey Kong, if you Successfully, like knock down a certain number King Kong, darn it! A certain number of, I mean, this is why Universal should have won that lawsuit. (laughs) Uh, If you're Donkey Kong, darn it! If you're King Kong and you knock down a certain number of airplanes Uh in a certain amount of time, then you change perspective and you are like, I can't, I don't know if you're Jack the Skull, if you're just somebody flying an airplane, and when you change perspective, if you at that point shoot down enough airplanes then you unlock a different ending where donk king kong is back on monster island alive at the wait end. a minute wait a minute
0: so you you switch perspective to a,
1: a, a pilot in an airplane so it's like is, a third who, person who is then fighting the other airplane so that part i think is like the point of this extra bonus i don't know if you have to got it but got it got it you then can like shoot down other airplanes and if you shoot down a certain number then you get a cutscene where. Weird. King Kong is back on Monster Island and lives happily ever after. So it's like
0: King Kong's buddy, let's just call him uh, Kitty Kong, hops in a plane, uh-huh. uh, shoots down the other planes yes. with his uh, peanut guns, uh-huh. <laughs> and frees Donkey Kong. Yep. Uh, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. It's crazy that this game exists. I mean, it's hard to imagine now because it's kind of become... If people remember it at all, they remember it being as like overwrought and boring. Um, the movie or the yeah, the game? Yeah. movie, the movie. That, but the hype around it, I feel like was pretty real because again, Peter Jackson was coming off the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right. and so people were so excited to see what he did next. And um, like I the thi- hype for this oh, game man. was real too. Like it was like cover stories on Game yeah. Informer and like all that kind of stuff.
0: It is. Uh wild to me that we have these two examples from roughly the same period of uh King Kong and Enter the Matrix, which are basically the same kind of idea, and I right? think the reviews were good for both, yeah, yeah, um, that like it is not something that is replicated anymore, and it's gotta be because uh game development is so much slower than movie making um but it's like I can't think of the last time there was something like this, like a a big budget movie that had a like companion triple a video game that like either fed directly into the movie or was a like direct retelling of it um that uh like the creators and the directors and the people were like invested in um it's just a it's weird to not see that
1: yeah it's like such a specific thing in time yeah i wonder if video games are like we don't need the movie time. <laughs> we'll do, we'll just be the video game. Yeah, I mean now you get that the stuff where like there's like the Avengers, yeah. right? But it's coming out this year when it would have made sense. Last year potentially, right? If they were doing that kind of crossover thing.
0: Right. Or like a Spider Man game that's totally divorced from uh the successful Marvel Spider Man. Right. And also not at all connected to uh into the Spider Verse. Yeah. Like the, the last one that I can kinda remember was when
1: there was a Wolverine game that was around the time there was around
0: like, like logan or no it was around
1: uh oh the second or- one origins uh no i don't even think it was the what? Wolverine. i think it was around x-men o- origins wow and or whatever it was called yeah like, i think that's um, right.
0: x-men origins wolverine
1: yeah uh and like it was like oh you know like it was fine it was like an okay game yeah I-, I just feel like like on switch we saw like a
0: cars 3 game and we've like
1: you know there's been like kind of games like that but i feel like they've fallen off a lot i feel like the audience for that is on mobile now
0: yeah that that's that's almost certainly true and and also like you know saying uh uh, bringing up um uh cars uh you know the matrix is an r-rated um sci-fi like franchise for you know late teens and adults Mm -hmm. um was uh was king kong it must have been rated pg right i think it it was pg-13 pg-13 because
1: remember when they fell into that pit with like the uh bugs that ate everybody
0: Oh yes, (laughs) yes I do. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. My my final pick. Uh. Again, this is uh me beating a drum on uh the show that I have beaten before. But if you own a 3DS, you owe it to yourself to download Pocket Card Jockey. It is a game where you race horses, and your method of racing the horse is playing a hand of solitaire. It is made by Game Freak, and it is. Uh, delightful. The art style is adorable. The writing is smart and funny. If you want to get in into like the sim elements of it and like feed your horse the right carrots and figure out how to brush it or whatever, you can. If you don't care about that and you just want to play Hands of Solitaire as your horse races around a track and you win money, uh, you can do that too. Um, it is a beautiful, perfect game. I don't know why it hasn't been ported to Switch at this point. It's so good. Mark, have you played Pocket? No, Car- I haven't. I don't I I know it only what by do, reputation. What do I have to do <laughs> <laughs> to get you into a copy of Pocket <laughs> Card? Jack? I believe it's $7.99 yeah. on the 3DS. And again, you can no longer buy games on the eShop with uh with uh money. You have to like buy points and then buy them that way. Uh but the game is uh uh amazing and an an absolute Uh, must play especially if you're looking for like the hidden gems on the 3ds this was really fun yeah i think we came up with some good uh recommendations and also enter the matrix and (laughs) king kong (laughs) um all right mark let's close this out we did a good job but you know who else would probably do a good job i think our listeners i think the rest of our listeners would do a great job if you if we left out any great hidden gems on remember the criteria here it is the game boy advance the ds the 3ds or the gamecube anything in that era that we left out uh email us at nintendo cartridge society at com, and we can talk about it on the next show also we just
1: love when people tweeted us send us emails with questions or anything sometimes the topic gets so big that we address it you know like uh for an entire episode, yeah.
0: I mean, th- this was a big question. We obviously talked about it for like an hour. So, like, we love it. We li- send us things, and we will talk about them. I'm not saying that we're hurting for topic ideas, but it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all <laughs> look. We're all
1: desperate for a Nintendo Direct. Some oh for different God. reasons than others, right? <laughs>
0: not everyone needs to make content out of it, but <laughs> we do. Um. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, email us or uh, get us on Twitter. On Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Ncart Society. You can check out the Facebook page, and that's just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect Santa Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat, Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time. Then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Bigfoot
1: Collectors Collectors Club, Club. you're You're here here to to believe believe us.
0: Wait, is that how it goes?
1: fire